Welcome to the quiet hour of the uh, KC at the Movies podcast. <laughs> I'm Kyle Cruz and it's the 25th of February 2019. Um, the reason I've got this low register right now is because I wasn't going to record in the office, but I can't do that right now because there are a bunch of crickets in there and uh, they're really going to fuck the recording up. If you if you use microphones, you, you know that um, uh, mics can really pick up pretty much everything around you so I've decided to do it out here in the back room but the thing out the thing with doing it in the back room is I've got a whole family of people trying to sleep so I need to be very quiet um so we're going to be really up close to the mic and real we're going to be really good friends (laughs) um and that laugh doesn't really help doesn't it so welcome to the uh Oscars post podcast the post show uh, we're going to discuss all the winners and um, all the big moments, what I thought of the podcast overall, even the small moments, and that that performance from Shallow, um, of Shallow from Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. I mean, the chemistry was electric. Um, but before we get to the winners of the Oscars, I promised you guys that I would give you a review, a quick review of uh, Vox Lux. So we're going to do that right now. Um, I was able to see it and I will just say I liked it. I don't really, I get the, maybe I do get the criticism that they're saying like a character is not really that likable, but this really is a chronicling of her rise and, um, it's really, it's very, it's very good. It's very good to watch. Natalie Portman's great, but Rafi Cassidy's great too. Um, so it's written and directed by Brady Corbett. And it's about Celeste, who um, experiences, uh, I'll, I'll try to be as vague as possible here, because what really propels her to start this career, is really shapes her as a human in later in life, is what happens to her in the first kind of 10 minutes of the film. Um, she experiences this traumatic event, I'll just say that. And then because of that, um, it... Uh, she suffers a casualty, I'll say that. And then... Um, she becomes. She decides to become a pop star because she has a good voice, a really good voice, and then she gets picked up by a manager. And the movie is pretty much chronicling, as I said, her rise to be to rise to fame. Um, you know, overcoming obstacles and um, turning into that that woman who she is. It builds up to this uh, nice, kind of fifteen minute concert experience at the end of the film, um, with songs written um, by Sia of all, of all people. So. Um, That was cool. Um, when I found out that, um, you know, if you stay for the credits, you'll, you'll see that it's written by, um, or some of the songs are written by Sia. So that was really cool to see. And um, sung beautifully by um, Rafi, Rafi Cassidy herself and Natalie Portman. Um, Rafi Cassidy is so good in this movie. Um, so I'll just say that the younger Celeste is is played by Rafi Cassidy. Um, Rafi Cassidy also plays Celeste's daughter in the film, Albertine. Um, I wasn't sure if that was kind of like a metaphor kind of thing. I mean, that was a ghost, but I'm, as you know, thinking about it now, I'm starting to think that it actually was just her daughter and they just decided to use Rafi Cassidy because Rafi Cassidy looked like Celeste when she was younger. So why not put, um, why not have her play her daughter later in the film as well? Um, but man, Rafi Cassidy is, is becoming one of my favorites. 
um, she was so good in Killing of a Sacred Deer when she played Kim, and then she she showed me, um, you know, she showed audiences what the voice she had when she sang to Barry Gorgon's character in the film. Um, she showed the voice that she had, and then the song that she sings in the beginning of the film, um, right after the, the incident, um, you know, quotation marks incident, it shows her how much of a beautiful voice she has, and even um, Natalie Portman holds her own as well in, in the, in the um, later minutes of the, fi- uh, of the film as well. She reminds me of, um, Guffy Cassie reminds me of uh, Thomas and Mackenzie. Um, they kind of like in the, um, they kind of look the same, and uh, Thomason was in um, Leave No Trace, and Rafi Cassidy was been in this, and Killing the Sacred Deer. Uh, so I think I've seen more of her, Thomason, I've probably seen of Leave No Trace, but just found out that Thomason is going to be in Edgar Wright's new film, uh, Last Night in Tokyo, with Undertale Joy, and I believe it's uh, Matt Smith, I believe. So that was really cool. Um, the film is... What I liked about the film is it doesn't shy away from its ugly moments. Uh, it has very. It shows that Celeste is, is a very flawed person. She's not perfect. She's not this, you know, person that finds her voice and is is nice to people and everything. She's a real human, and I really like how the film doesn't shy away from showing those ugly sides of her. Also, in this film is Stacey Martin and Jude Law. Stacey Martin playing her sister Eleanor. Um, the first time I watched Lisa Mount was in Nymphomaniac, Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac, and she was really good in that, but she's also really, really good in this as uh, Eleanor, her sister, another strong kind of uh, uh, side presence with um, Rafi Cassidy especially as well, but later in the film, kind of emotionally shedding a bit more when it comes to Natalie Portman's segments as the older Celeste. Jude Law is also really good as uh, her manager. You never really find out his name, but his performance is really good too. And then you've got another good, another well name is um, Christopher Abbott as well. Plays this kind of journalist who kind of gets into her um, her head later in the film. Uh, you'll know Christopher Abbott if you've watched Piercing uh, earlier this year or from last year, Sundance, with Mia Wasikowska. He was he was he was um, you know he played a small part, but I like to I like I like it was good to see him again. Sorry. But uh, that was pretty much, pretty much my my favorite part was it did not shy away from those moments. It showed them on screen. It showed you how much of a flawed character Celeste is. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the very ugly of her. Um, and it's a, I, I feel it has a, a positive message of everyone, you know, will try to bring you down. They'll find ways to bring you down, try to expose you, especially the media. But it's up to you to push through that. And, uh, you know... F- um, kind of, uh, you know, show show the world that, you know, no one can really bring you down. Only, you know, what kills you basically is, you know, the kind of central message is what kills you makes you stronger. And that's definitely present in Celeste's character. And uh, I, I, th- I feel it was kind of, the past kind of shaping who you are, kind of making you a bit bulletproof, maybe like a, maybe as as a traumatic incident makes you a bit bulletproof and later in the, later in the um in your life, whether that benefits or affects other people um, in a bad way, unfortunately, and also learning from those experiences and learning to better yourself from that experience or um learning to you know learning from the mistakes you've made in your life as well um celeste albertine celeste's daughter she has at a young age 
and um, there's definitely some mistakes that she definitely thinks she's made um, through then, and she de definitely addresses those up front directly in the film to other characters. Um, it's also very a very, very pleasant surprise. It's got a narration from a very special guest. Um, there is a voiceover throughout the whole film that chronicles her life and talks about different moments. Uh, some moments kind of just like kind of got in the way of the film a bit for me. Um, I didn't really need to hear it. Some information that was kind of unnecessary. But that special guest who did did the narration, I, that was a really good surprise, and I really liked that. And if you don't don't go into the credits and look up who it is, because I think you'd be really really surprised about who it is, and you'll have a nice smile on your face when you find out who it is, because I was very I was definitely. Um, I definitely had that smile <laughs> when I found out who that person was. Um, but it does tell you in like the first opening credits anyway. So like overall, I, I will say that Vox Lux is a, is a recommended watch for me. Um, one of the best movies I've seen this month. And um, I, I see, I do see the criticism and how people could find um, see it that way. But I really love the unconventional approach it took to, especially be, it being kind of like a, you know, like a music movie. Like we just saw Bohemian Rhapsody, which is very formulaic and very kind of uh, behind the music. Vox Lux is completely different to that. Shows the ugliness of the character, shows the flaws that she has, shows everything that she goes through and how she gets through that and becomes a better person. Whether it's through acceptance and change. Um, and then even remaining ugly still because you want to be true to yourself. Um, no, I really enjoyed Vox Lux and, um, it's playing right now in Australia at Dandy Cinema's Newtown. Um, that's where I could find it. Unfortunately, it's not around anywhere in, in Newcastle, so I couldn't really find any, um, showings there, but it's playing at Dandy Newtown and, um, it'll be, it's coming to Blu-ray very soon as well, I think as well. So, um. You'll be, be able to see it soon. The standouts to me were definitely Rafi Cassidy. I think it's one of Natalie Portman's better performances. Probably not her best, but her, one of her better performances. But Rafi Cassidy's best performance by far. Um, she is fantastic. And I would love to see what she does next. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm even interested to see what Brady Corbett does next as well. Um, so Vox Lux is a recommended watch for me. Uh, go and check it out. It's definitely an unusual film. And I love how unconventional it was, especially in that genre of it being kind of behind the music kind of thing. Um, a story of a person that becomes famous. So, definitely uh, check that out. Okay. I'm going to push the microphone away from me a bit because I'm going to maybe get started, uh, not yell, but kind of raise my voice a bit because I know it's going to um, be talking about it, a lot of things here. Um, but I will try and keep this kind of brief. I'm not going to talk about a lot of things. Um, so, I will try to keep it as brief as I can. So let's talk about it. The, uh, the Oscars were on today. Um, if you're in Australia, they were on at midday and they went to about three... I'm pretty sure it went for about three hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, about three hours and th about 3.20 it finished. Um, we're going to go for the winners. Uh, we're going to go through all the moments. Uh, first off, I just want to say we opened with Queen, with Will Rock You and We're the Champions. That was really cool. Everyone was really getting up and going on that. And uh, we have, we, it turns out we probably don't need a host because I really enjoyed the opening with, um, I thought the opening with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph was very fucking funny as well. And um, and they even acknowledged that they don't really, you know, they're not, they're not the host, but they could, they could be the host. But I don't really think the Oscars maybe do need a host in the future because the show actually went as smooth as I remember um, from recent years anyway. No... Um, 
you know, no side plots as well, really pointless side shit with the host that the host likes to do and everything. It went not it did go twenty minutes over, but it did I feel it went nice and smooth. The pace was good. I I was enjoying myself the whole time really other than the upset wins that, you know, I wasn't really uh happy with, but um I'm I'm gonna get over it anyway. It's just the Oscars, so it's nothing it's nothing big. I have had my uh, tantrums and um uh, my outburst today anyway, so I'm trying to keep it very contained for this podcast. <laughs> so, um, I also will say that the stage was a bit weird. The set production was a bit different. Um, people who have online have, um, said the stage looks a bit like Trump's hair. <laughs> so I found that a bit funny and a bit ironic that we're, you know, he's, it's kind of, it's his kind of hairdo and, you know, definitely, especially since Roma won foreign film and was nominated for Best Picture. Um, but we'll talk about Best Picture in a minute. That was really good. Um, Keegan-Michael Key flying down on the, um, the umbrella was really funny as well, um, presenting the, uh, song, um, from Mary Poppins. I thought the speech is really good this year, especially, um, I think it was Hannah Beach, Beachler from um, Black Panther, even though that award for production design, I don't think should have went to Black Panther, but I did like, I did enjoy her speech. It was a really passionate speech. Um, um, but what I did find was um, the speeches did go over over the line a bit. Uh, I, I, some went for about three, five minutes. Some went for about just a minute and then got cut off. They cut their microphones off, but there was a lot of people that were allowed to speak their mind a lot and, you know, have, have their platform. Um, so that was a bit, that was a bit weird. Um, why have those time limits if you can't, I'm not going to enforce them for every single person. Um, so that was a bit inconsistent to me. Um, also, uh, seeing John Bailey come out and, you know, I know it was for the in memoriam, but even seeing him have his just at least two minutes of speech, I just could not watch it because just of the decisions he's making. I don't know how that man is not fired yet. Um, but, you know, I've, I had my outburst today. I was very, very passionate out, um, today with that outburst. So I'm just going to, you know, just say that about that. I wasn't very um, cool about that. Um... And what was really weird to me, what kind of rubbed me the wrong way was uh, the writers for Black Klansman. I mean, Black Klansman won Best Adapted Screenplay. And I noticed that the um, the writers who adapted that um, novel, um, I believe it's uh, David and Charlie, yeah. Charlie Wachtel and David Rabinowitz, uh, they didn't even get a word in. Um, Spike Lee pretty much said everything when he was up there, pretty much having his political platform. And, you know, he's a very, if you're not familiar with Spike Lee, he's a very political person. He's very outspoken about his beliefs and what he um, champions for. So, uh, you know, it was, I would I would have liked to see what the writers would want to say, but he pretty much took the platform and then they did not let him speak, did not let them speak. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way since they are the right, they are the people that found that material, made that script. I mean, Spike really came in and, um, you know, Spike and Kevin really came in and kind of worked on the script after it, after they'd found it. So I feel like they could have got, at least should have got a few words in, but Spike really took the platform there. And uh, speaking of Spike, I heard that he was, 
he kind of was visibly upset when Green Book won Best Picture. Um, and kind of acted like a spoiled, you know, kind of like a sore loser. There we go. So, you know, all I've got to say is just like, even if you haven't won, even if you weren't really happy about either the concert that was in Green Book, because people are saying that Green Book is a white saviour film, um... Uh, yeah, that could be seen as that, but I, I actually really liked Green Book. I finally watched it, but you know we'll talk to, we'll talk about Green Book later because it won Best Picture, so we'll be definitely be talking about it. Um, but yeah, Spike Lee acting like that was just ridiculous, and um, you know I, I felt for him when he won the, that the screenplay, but I, you know I kind of lost a little respect when he acted like that. He acted like a pretty much like a child and like a sore loser who didn't get, who didn't win, he didn't pretty much have his film win. Um, he pretty much said like he he wanted his film to win, so it's not a you know it's not a contest, dude. You got to respect the art, respect the people around you, respect the um the people, um, that have been nominated. Everyone's doing the same thing you're doing, man. Um, we're all in the same business, and we got to respect each other. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Um, that's pretty much it for the uh, kind of moments I want to speak about. So let's get on to the uh, winners. Let's get on to the uh, winners here. So I want to start off by looking... I'm going to go by order, I think. I'm going to go by order. And we had best documentary was, of course... Um, uh, sorry. Supporting actress. Because um, I'm going to go by the order of what it, what it went today. Uh, supporting actress was Regina King. So no surprise there. Bill Street could talk. She's a great performance in that. Uh, no surprise I went to Regina King. Uh, on my, in my Oscars pool, I had her going, but fun fact, I didn't win my Oscars pool today. My um, good friend Jacob Richards won the Oscars pool, who you would know if you listened to the um, the Glass talk I had with him, the spoiler talk of Glass I had with him. He um, he won the Oscars pool by two points today. So that was um, you know that was that was that was a good win. I'm glad I'm gl- um, happy he won. Um, and that's the second time I've been beaten in Oscars pool. My first time was my um, one of my good friends, Bridget Crovers, won the first time, and now he is the second person to dethrone me as a <laughs> Oscars pool winner. So um, yeah, Regina King taking that, um, no surprise there. Moving on to the documentary feature, I mean, Free Solo was my pick as well. Free Solo definitely taking that home. Um, have seen a little bit of Free Solo. I think I started to watch it, but then I had to do something else, so I just need to finish it. But what I did see, incredible. Um, I'll definitely be talking about that soon, um, probably after I do my Everything I Watched in February, or maybe I did watch that in February, and we'll include that on that podcast. Um, so I'm definitely going to be watching that. Um, that was also my pick in the pool as well. Makeup and hairstyling, of course, went to Vice. I mean, there was no competition there, really. Maybe a Queen, Mary Queen of Scots. But um, it was always going to be Vice. Come on. Like my, uh, my friend uh, Jordan came over today, looked at the makeup and Vice, and just went, is that Christian Bale? And uh, I was like, yeah. And he's like, fuck. Moving on to costume design, uh, Ruth E. Carter won for Black Panther. Um, not actually that mad about that. Would have loved to see Sandy Powell win it for the favorite. But not actually that mad about it. The Black Panther costumes are pretty pretty good. Um, they're, pretty, they're very, very unique and um, symbolic of the culture. So I'm actually not that mad about that one. Um, again, I would have loved the favorite to win, but I'm, I'm, I'm not mad about Panther. I'm happy for Ruth Carter. I'm really happy for Ruth Carter. 
Um, she, she, she should be proud of what she did there. Uh, now, production design is where I'm kind of, even though I did like Hannah Beachler's speech, where I'm kind of like the favourite should have won that. Um, Black Panther did win the production design. Um, I thought the favourite's production design was incredibly better than Black Panther's. Um, it's absolutely exquisite and just so beautiful and really puts you in that in that period. Um, Fiona Crombie did and Alice Felton did incredible work with that production design. And um, just, yeah, I don't know, just a bit rubbed the wrong way how Black Panther got that one. Um, it taking home both design awards. Um, yeah. I mean, good for Hannah Beachler. She's got an Oscar now. She can be happy about that. I like the speech, but um, would have liked to the favourite got that one. I thought it would at least take production design, but uh, uh, no, it did not. Uh, cinematography. Uh, we had the uh, Alfonso Cuaron take that one. Um, I held out hope. I, I, I knew I should have changed it. For the pool's sake, I knew I should have changed it to um, Alfonso Cuaron, but uh, I had my hopes for Robbie Ryan for the favourite. Um, I definitely had my hopes there. But, of course, I mean, no surprise there. Roma took it. Um, Alfonso Cuaron took it for Roma. Um, I will say those long takes are pretty fucking beautiful. Um I know I did talk about in the podcast for Harris. Actually, nothing really that special about the cinematography. But after watching it, uh, watching parts of it again, um, those long takes are really nice, especially that last beach take. Um, so uh, I will eat my words and um, say that that actually did deserve the cinematography prize. Although, again, you know, the favourite. <laughs> I, it's in the sense of a bit biased here with me. <laughs> um, sound editing went to Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, would have loved to see A Quiet Place get it, um, especially when they're doing the showings off, showing uh, the kind of scenes they kind of showed off. This, the, I just, again, that just showcased why Quiet Place sound is so fucking good. But um, Bohemian Rhapsody took that one. Um, okay. Uh, sound mixing as well went to Bohemian Rhapsody. Usually with sound and sound mixing and sound editing, if they get the sound editing, they're going to get the sound mixing. It happened with Dunkirk. So um, it, of course, went to Bohemian Rhapsody. So there we go. Um, would have loved to see First Man get that, but no. Uh, foreign language film went to Roma. So I thought it was going to at least go to Cold War and then Best Picture was going to be Roma, but we got that upset of that happening, um, of the, you know, Green Book winning Best Picture. So Roma took home Best Foreign Language Film. Um, I thought we are going to have a double here with Foreign Language Film and Best Picture, but we definitely didn't get that. Um, we just got Roma winning Best Foreign Language Film, which very, like, very much deserves it. Film editing went to Bohemian Rhapsody, although I would have loved to see the favorite get it again. Um, I just, okay, like, the, the Behemoth Rhapsody's editing is, is, like, fine, but I thought the favourite editing was much more, uh, thoughtful and much more imaginative, um, creative, but, yeah, sure, give it Behemoth Rhapsody, okay. Um, actor in a supporting role, or supporting actor, um, no surprise there, Mahershala Ali grabbing that, um, grabbing all the prizes so far, and gra finally grabbing the Oscar. Um, although they used the scene that I didn't think they would use. I thought they would definitely use the scene when he has the outburst just out. They used the scene he has 
he has they sorry they use the scene before the scene that I thought they were going to show um, the outburst he has about um, where he starts visibly kind of sobbing as he's talking to um, uh, Tony outside the car but they use the scene before that when he's talking about in the car he had to call from the jail uh, I was surprised by that not the best scene in the show because I was just like okay but um, you know I'm I'm not that mad the Mahershala one that's um, you know it was going to be a given anyway Animated feature film, and of course, the Spider-Man to Spider-Verse. No fucking surprise there. No surprise at all. And deservedly so. Uh, Animated short film went to Bow. I mean, what else was it going to go to? Of course, it was going to go to Bow. And documentary short subject was... Everyone thought it was going to be Black Sheep. There's a lot of votes for going for Black Sheep, but period, end of sentence. uh, One for a documentary short subject. So, um, good for them, I suppose. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't make any comments, but, you know, good for them. They took it, they've got their very own Oscar now. Visual effects was very, very, a very pleasant surprise. Fantastic. Loved it. Uh, I thought it was going to go to Avengers Infinity War or one of the big ones. One of the big boys was going to get it. Um, definitely thought it was going to be Avengers, and a lot of votes were for Avengers, but in a very pleasant upset. First man took it. First man took it for visual effects. And again, deservably so. So subtle in its production design and, and how the visual effects do kind of uh, uh, gel nicely on the screen. And it looks real. It looks real, especially that last moon. That, that last IMAX moon sequence is incredible. And... Um, I'm I'm so happy First Man got visual effects. What a win. What a win. Uh, live action short film went to Skin. Um, again, I didn't have really a winner for this one because I didn't haven't seen any of these. I do know that Skin is actually being made into a feature film at the moment with Jamie Bell and that played at either Telluride or TIFF, I think. Um, so I do know that. So that's a, that's a bit of information there. Um, so maybe that's why it won. I don't know. I don't know the, the subject behind skin. I don't know the um, plot in it. Um, so I think it's just, uh, what do I want to say? It has an advantage that it's going to be made into a feature film anyway. Uh, original screenplay was a very big upset here. Uh, I definitely thought the favorite was going to get at least one here. If if it was if a favorite was going to win one award tonight, um, I thought it was definitely going to be the um, original screenplay, but in a big, pretty big upset, it went to Green Book. Um, written by Nick Vallelonga, Brian Curry, and Peter Farrelly. Um, yeah, uh, don't really agree with that. I don't really agree with that really. Um, eh. I really thought I really thought if the favorite was going to take one award home, it was going to be original screenplay, and it didn't even get that. So um, weird that uh, Green Book got that, but it's you know it's the Oscars. So there's going to be some upsets. There's going to be some surprises. Um, adapted screenplay was another good pick for me. Black Klansman took that one home. Um, it was definitely going to be between Black Klansman and Beale Street, I think, or maybe, or maybe, the kind of 
upset or su- sorry, not upset, surprise would be can you ever forgive me? But I was going to go to Black Klansman. And um, Charlie Wachtel, David Rabinowitz, Kevin Wilmot, and Spike Lee got that. And Charlie and David didn't even get to speak. So, Original score was the one that kind of upset me as well. Um, it went to Black Panther. Ludwig Granson, as much as I respect and adore Ludwig Granson for his work with music, especially producing Childish Gambino songs, um, I just didn't think Black Panther's score was memorable. I just didn't think it was all, all that memorable. Um, I listened, again, I listened to Black Klansman's score the other day by Terrence Blanchard. Uh, it's so good. Um, that's memorable. And of course, a beautiful, touching score by Nicholas Bratel for Beale Street Could Talk. Um, I, watched, I listened to that again the other day, and that was good. So uh, I thought it was going to be definitely out of those two, um, but no, it went to Black Panther. Um, honestly, it sounds like every... There's a bit of flair to it, but it, honestly, when you come, it comes down to the bones, it definitely sounds like every other Marvel movie, really. Um, there's a bit of flair of it with the drums and a bit more instrumental, but... Um, I don't know. I just, I just, it's not that memorable to me. I don't think. I don't think I'd be listening to that on repeat. I'd definitely be listening to either Terrence Blanchard's score for Black Plansman or Nicholas Patel's score for Beale Street. Um, I listened to Beale Street's score, Nicholas Patel's score, while I was writing the other night, and um, that was just beautiful to listen to. So uh, yeah, that's that one. That one kind of pissed me off a bit. That that one, but moving on. <laughs> Uh, original song. I mean, what was what was going to get it really? Shallow, of course, was going to get that. And speaking of Shallow, what a performance from Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. That was just oh my god! I felt the chemistry there. Oh, did you feel something? Did you feel some sparks? Did you feel some sparks with that shit? Holy shit! Holy shit! And what a beautiful shot! I mean, not to talk about the cinematography of the Oscars, but. It really reminded me of kind of like the last scene in the film when she's talking, um, I'll never love again. When she's singing, I'll never love again. Um, that, that shot with him, he has the microphone, and he has the piano, and he got Lady Gaga at the end of the piano. It's got this really nice, warm lights. Oh, it looked incredible. And then Bradley Cooper singing. It was so good to hear him sing with her, have their, kind of had their duet. It was so good to hear it live, especially after hearing that really weird rock version at the, um, at the Grammys. I didn't really like that at all, to be honest. Um, I thought it was very, very odd and just didn't really fit. Um, But this stripped-down version, the original version of Shallow, really worked for the Oscar ceremony. Uh, Cooper's voice, Gaga's voice, my God. And then when they look at each other in the eyes at the end, I thought they were going to fucking kiss, dude. I thought they were going to fucking kiss. But... uh, (laughs) No, I mean... Bradley Cooper's partner's right there in the crowd. Uh, Arana Shaikh or Shake or how you say his last name? She's the model. Um, you know, I, I thought she was... Um, there was something was going to happen there, definitely. I mean, even for the people who don't like A Star Is Born, I mean, tell, you look at that picture. Look at that frame with them looking to each other's eyes and tell me you don't feel something there. You don't kind of feel this... This, this gut feeling that they should be together. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've never really shit before, but uh, this is—I mean—that was really incredible to watch. 
Um, returning back to the winners, anyway, off going off my uh, tangent there. <laughs> going back to the winners, let's hit the big ones. We're going to go the lead actor. We went to Rami Malek, deservedly so, for uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, it was definitely between him and Christian Bale, I think. But um, glad I went to Rami. Deserves it. Fantastic performance. He is the he is the glue of that film, and um, and uh, glad he got his award. Now, uh, actress, lead actress. Wow, what another pleasant surprise. Definitely thought it was going to go to Glenn Close for the wife because of all the sweeping and the fucking sweeping she's done this whole season. But in a very pleasant upset again, Olivia Coleman wins for the favorite. Um, that is, so, oh, I was so, my heart was just filled when she when she her name was called and then she got up on stage and was like a kind of like a frightened dog, didn't know what to do, but her speech was so heartwarming and raw and real, and um, she was so unapologetically her. When she was up there, and it was um, really great to see. If you haven't seen The Favourite, man, I mean, I've, I've revved about it enough. You need to watch The Favourite. And her performance is that movie. She's so fucking good as Queen Anne. It is so fucking good. And she is the definitely one of the best parts of it, if not the best part of that film. Um, and the directing Oscar went to Afonso Cuaron for Roma. Again, no surprise there. He took home the DGA, the big honour for the DGAs. And pretty much won every single award um, towards that. And uh, no surprise that he took over the directing office, um, Oscar there for Roma. And the big one, Best Picture. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Best Picture. First of all, I'm glad ben Black Panther didn't win. Didn't win. I'm glad it didn't win. At least it didn't win. Uh, I thought it was going to get a Roma. I thought Roma was going to get Best Picture. I had Roma in my pool. Um, it was just the front, it felt like the front runner to me, and, um, it didn't win. In a upset, Green Book take, took home Best Picture, Green Book, but I had a weird kind of feeling, I'll tell you what, I had a weird kind of feeling in my stomach that Green Book was going to take home Best Picture, and that was like a couple of days before, it was really weird. And you know why? It's because I watched it. I watched the movie. I watched the movie finally. I got around to watching it on Friday night. And I will say, it is a good film. It is a good film. But to be honest, best picture worthy? I don't, no, I don't think so. But it is a good film. It has a great performance from Viggo Mortensen. Deservedly so for best actor there, definitely. Um, Mahershala, he was way better than Mahershala, to be honest. Um, Hershey Lee was good. Um, he had that. He had that really good moment outside the car when he does that speech. But I don't think he could have been. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know why he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor after that. Um, I just. It's. Any like uh, that's that's a that's a performance that I've seen a lot, and anyone could do that. So I'm going to be brutally honest. Uh, yeah, I, that's, that's that's a performance I've seen a long. Uh, you know, a lot. It's it's kind of kind of a straight man performance uh, a lot of people can do that even amateurs can do that 
Um, but he does bring that, you know, I will say that what amateurs can't do is in some scenes and in some really impactful emotional scenes, he does bring the weight, he does bring the nuance, he does bring the deep-seated emotion. But um, throughout the whole movie, there's just a couple of scenes where I noticed that. Throughout the whole movie, I, I don't really think it justifies him, you know, getting, um, you know, getting that nomination and winning. Um... I mean, that should have went to Sam Elliott, to be honest. I'm sorry, but it should have went to Sam Elliott. Or uh, maybe even Richard E. Grant. But um, it is a good film. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be... Look, I'm going to... I'm going to just... I'm gonna, I've got a confession to make. I've got an apology to make. I thought it was going to be boring. As fuck. I thought it was going to be, as I call it, a nano movie. Um... You know, a movie that you, you take your name to see and she goes, Oh, that was one of the best movies I've seen in recent years. And you just think it's like this boring shit. Um, but I was wrong. I enjoyed Green Book a lot. Uh, I liked the back and forth between Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Lee. And I know it does, does come down to the script, but I just think that... I still think original script, I should have to the favourite, but, you know, we're letting that go. We're letting that go. And uh, it winning Best Picture was just... Wow, man. Wow. And just after watching that movie, um, after watching Green Book, I just had this feeling. I was like, oh, man. This this is going to be the, the, the kind of black sheep, I think. It's going to definitely, it's going to come out of nowhere and it's going to take this picture. And it fucking did. It did. I really wanted Roma to win. I mean, I really wanted, like, the favorite to win or... Yeah, the favourite or Roma, really, to win. None of the other ones really don't think are good enough. Um, as good as those ones. But Green Book, man. Fuck. Green Book. Um, yeah, taking home the best honour tonight. Um, so, you know, congratulations to everyone behind Green Book. Um, it's a good movie, and it's probably a movie I could I could watch again. And people, that's what it's people, uh, you know, saying that's what it's coming down to. It's coming down to first of all a preferential voting ballot, and second of all, kind of rewatchability. They think of all these factors, this kind of new, and to think as well, we have this new kind of younger academy as well. There's a lot of new members from last year, and now we have over like seven thousand members I think now of the academy. So. Um, you know, there's sometimes there's no surprise there. There's a bit of me that's not surprised that Green Books takes that because it has a lot of, you know, material that um, appeals to that kind of audience. So, um, yeah, just weird that it, that's the upset of the night, really, to me, that Green Book goes picture, best picture. I mean, when it, best picture is very, very notorious for sometimes having just a big upset and you know, having the um, everyone, a, the, there was always an uproar. There's always a bit of a rioting after um, but a a, a, uh, a controversial best picture. I mean, definitely with Spike Lee. Definitely, it was very fucking controversial. <laughs> but um, yeah, taking another best line was Green Book. What a what a night! What a night! Um, so just to quickly wrap up and overall say that. I thought it was one of the best Oscars, Oscars ceremonies we've had in a while. Um, didn't have any pointless shit. It ran very smoothly. Didn't like John Bailey speaking. Get off the fucking stage. You'd be fired. 
Um, great Queen performance, great opening stuff from Tina and Amy Meyer. Hopefully they bring those bring those girls back for um, those lovely ladies. God, I love those ladies. Very talented ladies. Um, bring them back for the next Oscars. Maybe they don't even need a host. Um, maybe you don't even need a host because I think it went kind of well and I've, I've kind of enjoyed myself the whole show other than those kind of um, upset wins for those awards but I, I had a good time today and I had a really fun time doing my pool with all my friends and everything it's always fun doing that can't wait for next year's so uh, yeah that's it that'll wrap up the uh, Oscars post show podcast I, you know it went as long as I thought it would go um, sorry for keeping it really quiet and really uh Central. I mean, people are going to really listen to this and be like, what the fuck is he doing so close to the microphone? Um, but, you know, go show respect to the fam. So, uh, that'll do it. What do you think of the awards? Did you think, what, uh, did you think the, um, the, did you think who won? Thought, who you thought were going to, I don't know how I'm going to fucking, I think I'm just tired. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to wear that. I had no idea. I'm going to be fucking honest with you guys. Transparency at its best here. I had no idea I was going to fucking word that then. <laughs> no fucking idea. Don't know where I was going. I feel like Michael Scott in the office when he said, sometimes I start sentences and I don't know where it's going. <laughs> and that was honestly one of those fucking moments there. Oh my God. Um, so I'm starting to yawn a bit as well because um, I got up pretty early today because I had to fucking... Um, oh, my dog fucked up the garbage bin and dragged all the garbage all of the all of the driveway and to pick all that up and I was up very early. Um, very early for me anyway. Very not very early for most people, but very very early to me. And um, it's definitely causing me to you know start to, start to get a bit drowsy. And uh, I might what I might do is after this chuck on a bit of it, another podcast I will listen to, and um, fall asleep. I think. But, uh, yeah, what did you think of the ceremony? Did you like it as much as the other years? Do you think that we should have no host? Did you like everything that happened? How good, how the fucking good was that shallow performance? My God. Um, one of the best parts of the fucking ceremony. Wow, 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 wow. And, uh, of course, um, one of my other favorite parts, Olivia Coleman winning. Um, what did you think of the upsets? What did you think of the obvious ones? And did you... Were you surprised by any... Did you call any? Um, and what do you what do you reckon is going to be already looking for next year's? Like I'm already seeing, I'm already definitely seeing a leader battle angel going for visual effects, being nominated for visual effects. Definitely, um, I, haven't, I haven't even seen the film, and just based off the praises and reviews I've heard from people, a leader battle angel is definitely going to be nominated. I think for visual effects next year. But um. Yeah, that's that's all I'm kind of seeing so far. Nothing really has been out this year that are, that's kind of best picture worthy. We're definitely gonna get more of those in the fall season. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's it. And I'll say it fucking th- four times now. But that'll do it. Um, definitely go go see Vox Lux, or if you have it available, watch it. Um, definitely one of the best films I've seen on January. Um, Good time to know the Oscars and just saying uh, next week I'll just mention that um, so this weekend I'm going to be very busy because I'm going to see the Ar- Arctic Monkeys in Sydney on Friday and Saturday night so I'm going to be very busy in the weekend so I won't be able to do any kind of um, um, organizing or any research for my everything I wish in February so that'll be out kind of late next week 
um, and that'll be the podcast next week. I will, I will, I'll just do the everything I watched in February, and then after that, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming, just uh, weekly reviews and all good old chats. But um, look forward to next week to hear about a lot, a lot of shit I've watched in February. I watched a lot of fucking stuff. My God, and I will continue to watch more stuff. Um, I just finished Sex Education on Netflix, even though that did come out in January. But I just finished Sex Education. I'm in the middle of Umbrella Academy, so I went to finish that, and I'll probably I'll probably watch Free Solo before the end of the month as well. So I look forward to next week. We talk about all of those films, and um, have a great rest of the week, guys. Stay safe, stay happy, and uh, I'll talk to you next week.